Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome back to another great episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. With every episode, we try and bring you some in-depth analysis with entrepreneurs and CEOs in the supply chain space. Today is no exception. Our guest is Kwaku Jamfi. He is the CEO of Farm to Flame Energy, and you can find out more information about Kwaku and his company at farmtoflameenergy.com. Kwaku, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Mike. Um, it's a pre cool company as far as the idea of what you guys are doing. Uh, went to the website, uh, did kind of a quick read through myself, but can you explain to our listeners uh, what it is you guys do at Farm to Flame Energy? Yeah, so we provide affordable and reliable electricity uh, through a smokeless combustion process. And the process is actually patented by my co-founders, uncle and grandfather. It was just a combustion process they patented and so my co-founder, Will, and I, we decided to build a generator around it as it has a lot of use in replacing diesel generators abroad, especially in emerging markets where they use diesel for like over eight hours a day. And even at home in the U.S. where we use it for storm resiliency and um, like in Hurricane Irma, for example, they were paying a lot for diesel, like over $900 per megawatt hour, which is almost five times higher than just the regular grid. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the uh, main gist of what we do. And some of the fuels that we use to generate electricity with are like woody debris, corn stalks, uh, different fuels in that, like woody fibrous nature. Um, and we grind them down to a fine powder for electricity generation. Excellent. So part of your supply chain is dependent on those types of materials? Yes, correct. I don't have to keep repeating this, but 2020 was a pretty crazy year. 2021, uh, yeah. we're, we're just about halfway through it. What kind of issues have you had to deal with um, being a manufacturing supply chain CEOs, this podcast, uh, a, a lot of the issues that we've spoken with other CEOs, uh, supply chain is big, execution, personnel. Uh, what are the, some of the issues that you've had to face in the last 15 to 18 months? Yeah, so um, some of them I would say that they it differs because we have a, a commercial generator that we're putting out right now. We're putting out our first line of generators and the, the first one we have is going to be 10 kilowatts and it also can do 29 kilowatts as well of electricity. Um, so like on the generator side, there's there's certain components we bring from abroad. So there's, you know, different um, lead times that we have abroad. But on the fuel gathering side, um, if, if anything, I think 
Um, the last year has been kind of a blessing on the fuel gathering side. Like we, we gather a lot of feedstocks from local public works departments and partner with them. And because everything kind of slowed down, there was some clarity and ease in like terms of developing these relationships. Um, I also just came out of grad school last May. So we were starting to look into fortifying our supply chain and making sure that we can have enough for continuous electricity generation at scale. And I think because of COVID, um, some operations around these public works departments and recycling sites slowed down. So there was um, like less productivity with the excess waste that was there. Okay. Excellent. Um, and these generators, what's the type of clients you're dealing with right now that are using these generators? Yeah, so there's a, there's a broad spectrum. Um, our target market is Nigeria. So we have a teaching hospital who wants to replace their diesel generators um, with, with our generators. And they have like a lot of agricultural waste over there. And proving this out in the States, there's some people who are, there's a diverse um, amount of people who, like, or group of people who want this. Like one is a farm, they do vertical farming and they need electricity for their off-grid uh, farm. And um, there's an energy company as well who's looking to adopt the generator and even the zoo. Um, so there's, there's just like a lot of different uh, interests right now. Um, but the main goal that we have for the states is to prove out this technology and serve these uh, uh, partners so that we can go expand this um, in emerging markets where they have like a strong economic incentive. Right. Awesome. Um, what are some of the biggest obstacles you see in bringing this uh, generator to market and kind of educating uh, the masses about how this is more beneficial, how it's conserving energy? Uh, what, if you could explain some of those obstacles to us? Yeah, the biggest one is the supply chain of the turbine, of the steam turbines. Uh, like okay. China, India uh, actually manufacture like half of the world's steam turbines now. And wow. so we we like to use steam in our, our, our process um, because we do a closed loop. Uh, so the steam travels to the turbine, it spins in the turbine, but then we recycle that steam back into the boiler um, and, and the biomass is used to heat the boiler. Uh, so uh, we, we, you know, we, we do have some lead times with that, um, that, you know, we would like, we would like to shorten. But um, other, other, other than that, I would say there, there's different areas that we can consider too, like later down the line, we can consider gas turbines and we can consider um, just uh, other other mechanisms um, that don't have to use steam. But uh, that that's just the main thing, like trying and like the biomass to energy industry, a big thing is maintenance and just making sure that maintenance is limited because with increased maintenance, you also drive up the cost of, of the of the system or the the purchase model. So um, trying to keep that low is is a big thing, and and that that kind of determines what what parts we get from suppliers. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you mentioned you just got out of grad school. I know you're a graduate of Syracuse University as well. My my girls from uh, upstate New York. Okay. Uh, yeah. What, what brought you from a college student uh, in getting interested into, um, 
you know, I know, is it your friend that was the founder, him and his uncle? Yeah, yeah we, we were actually the co-founder. My, my friend, Will, I, I met him at Syracuse University. Okay. So we both started in environmental engineering. And then uh, I switched to chemical engineering. He switched uh, to a different major. But um, we, we, were, we were friends since our first freshman year. And so um, in senior year, my uncle and grandfather have been working on this combustion process, smokeless. You know, they, they've patented it and been working on it for 10 years. I want to make a generator that has a lot of use in these emerging markets. And so that's where, that's where it really started. Um, we actually built the first demonstration unit while I was in grad school. I actually went to a Carnegie Mellon from 2018 to 2020 in Pittsburgh. And we built like a 28 watt demonstration unit on my porch. Wow. <laughs> it was awesome. But um, yeah, that, after that, it was just, we knew we wanted to keep building them. And then uh, luckily, thanks to the clean tech open and thanks to Beth Zonis, uh, we were able to find a manufacturing spot in New Jersey. Um, and so we just got to keep it going. Uh, so we're very grateful for that, for NJ Ignite, all of these programs that allowed us to keep it going. Wow, that's awesome. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey from college student to CEO? Is there any advice or life lessons that you could uh, tell some of our listeners out there? Yeah, for sure. Um, my the uh, Just a brief, like... I didn't really expect to be an entrepreneur. Like I never really saw myself as one, but um, I, you know, I, I knew like that my dad was like, my dad, I uh, used to have a store when I was a child. And so like, I, I would like work behind like the cash register and stuff, but I wasn't really like, after that, I wasn't really doing anything entrepreneurially. Um, but then once we got into this problem of social impact, and I always wanted to help, you know, those in developing areas and emerging areas. That's what really drove me towards it. So I would say just find something that you're passionate about um, and that you really you know is a problem you actually want to solve. Another passion of mine is water treatment. I feel like water treatment and energy go hand in hand. So that's why I wanted to solve it. And that's what kept me going till now. And, um, and also, if you are in a capital intensive business like ours, you probably and, and you know what you're doing might take a lot of time um, and money and effort, then maybe, maybe it's a good idea to find some like passive revenue streams on the side that can just keep keep you going, you know, um, whether it be rentals of any sort or anything just to keep you going. Um, that can definitely help take pressure off of you. That's excellent advice. Uh, I would I would agree with that and strongly recommend uh, some passive income, like you said, especially in a capital intensive uh, industry. You mentioned yeah. uh, water. Are you guys currently working on anything to bring a product with some water? How would you how would you describe the, the like a reclamation or? Yeah, we, we wanted uh, this. We're not working on this yet, but once okay. this unit is built and, you know, demonstrated off sites, we want to um, kind of like play off the idea of combined heat and power, but use some of the waste heat for uh, water treatment. Um, so we want to use some of that waste heat to drive um, uh, dirty water through either through a membrane or 
or any, you know, viable way of uh, sanitizing drinking water. So it can be sanitation is removing bacteria or even just removing salt um, or different compounds from the water. Uh, so that, yeah, then we want to try to use the waste heat for that if, if possible. And, and that's, that's, I think would be a, a pretty good application for, um, for, for like decentralized um, areas. Wow. That's awesome. Well, uh, best of luck to you. Uh, we need more innovators like yourself uh, creating some technology to stretch our environment as long as we can. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, crystal ball time. Where do you see the industry heading this year, next year? Um, are there some opportunities that you see? Are there any threats to your industry that you can share with us? Yeah, I would say for opportunities, I see like a lot of um, just growth in clean tech industry in general, like more broadly than biomass, a lot of growth, but still inclusive of that. Joe Biden has a um, and his administration have a big plan for this country, like bigger than we've ever seen before, just in terms of magnitude of dollars spent and investment, like a, I think a, a two trillion dollar climate package or inf infrastructure package. So um, that's going to make a big impact in how fast we see new technologies get out there, like you know use of hydrogen for many areas of manufacturing, uh, clean energy, offshore solar, biomass. And I think it's going to accelerate us pretty fast. Um, some threats, could, I, like I, I don't want to act like I know because you know our product is still going to market. So like we have to like, you know, there's some things we have to anticipate. Um, but in terms of broad threats, not, not too sure, not too sure right now. Um, but, it, but then again, even an opportunity, I would say, um, the crypto opportunity is just becoming great. Um, as there's like a lot of decentralized energy solutions, there's also a lot of decentralized financial solutions, which are like starting to work for a lot of, you know, people, especially younger generations coming in and starting to transact a lot more. With that, um, it's going to have a big impact on energy industry transactions, I think, um, in the future, um, just like on a, on a small decentralized scale, but like thousands and millions of those. So, um, yeah, I think I think those are some of the uh, opportunities to look forward to in like five years and now, like now into five years. Awesome. Any I'm in the crypto space a little myself. Any any DeFi you're looking at potentially that you can see uh, that has some usability? There, there's a bunch. There's like Safe Panda, Safe Moon, and all of these companies who claim that they mine with, um, um, you know, without uh, certain energy resources, a certain energy level, or even renewable energy resources. Or even what their the value of their tokens or um, you know uh, systems go towards. Like sometimes you can buy a token and like three percent of that, or in a certain indirect way, a certain percent of that is reinvested into an environmental cause. There's a lot of those that are are coming up. Um, I'm trying to figure out where the leader will be. 
uh, apparently Ethereum just said something about their energy usage going down significantly from like the size of a country to um, like very, very minuscule. Um, so there's and there's a lot of incentive about that. And, and a lot of leaders like Elon Musk are talking about that, talking about, um, you know, trying to support uh, paying platforms that utilize a lot less energy. So that that's an area um, that I would like to go into personally as well uh, with our generators. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah, I, I think there's certainly some, uh, some, use case for the generators in regards to mining. I know Ethereum is, I think, trying to move towards more of a proof of stake with their 2.0 update um, and a lot of other Ethereum-based like Solana. Um, I know that they, uh, you know, they, they have uh, rapid transactions, thousands per microsecond um, and the way that they've designed uh, their blockchain uh, is it, it supposedly uses minimal energy, but uh, I'm not even sure if there's a way to scale every bank that has lights on at night uh, yeah. and, and compare that to, uh, you know, a Bitcoin or Ethereum blockchain. I, I'm not sure, uh, especially since most of the Bitcoin mining is is coming out of China. Um, I, I think it's difficult to slow that down, let alone get an accurate read on on how much they're yeah, uh, we have great mathematicians. We can come up with very educated guesses, but uh, and I think, like any free market, if you want to call China's mining free market, um, when there's a, a solution to make that energy cheaper, um, I think you will see a lot of these miners and and these blockchain developers move towards. Uh, a cheaper system if it's a farm to flame uh, generator or, or, or something of that sort. So, um, yeah, I think you guys are are headed in the right space, and uh, wish you guys tremendous success. It seems like you're you're quite on your way. Um, any products that you'd like to mention uh, to our audience? Yeah, um, the FTF twenty five kilowatt. Uh, we call it 25, but it's 29. Uh, it's coming soon. Uh, we're looking to launch our first one in June, and so we're very excited about that. And yeah, we're um, after that, we'll just be making a lot of decentralized solutions and trying to confine them within the same space. But um, th those are those are what we're looking at. They can serve commercial buildings. They can serve um, hospitals, just um, also people who are just in need of backup energy. Uh, um, and specifically speaking to uh, uh, a goal that we're trying to put about 10 of these down um, or so by the end of 2021, um, these are great use for backup electricity. So that's the FTF 25 kilowatt. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be updating the site with all of that as we, as we move through that production. Excellent. Awesome. Kwaku, uh, tell everybody where they can uh, find you and more about Farm to Flame Energy. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. My, my name is on LinkedIn. Um, Kwaku Jeffies is spelled out. And also Farm to Flame Energy, Farm space T-O space Flame Energy. We're also on LinkedIn as well. We post a lot of updates there, um, just different opportunities as well in the clean tech community. And yeah, that's that's 
where a lot of our activity really is, is LinkedIn. Awesome. Uh, amazing conversation. It, it's an uh, amazing piece of technology as well. Uh, hopefully uh, in five years, we can have you back on and uh, um, we'll hear some tremendous success stories at that point. So uh, thanks for being our guest today, Kwaku Giamfi of Farm to Flame Energy. Uh, again, thank you for being with us today and to everyone out there listening, we'll catch you on the next episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Uh, or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.